I must say, Bucky just kind of standing there with his arm out and the kids hanging onto him (laughs) with Sarah looking on. Uh Uh-huh. Smooth, man. Smooth. Yep. He's got that locked up. I gotta respect that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows how to work his assets. (laughs) Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Amy, I believe you have something to say. You were right. You won our bet. Congratulations. (laughs) Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're tuning into the show for the first time, Amy and I had a little bet going ever since we last saw Dr. Rayner in episode Mm -hmm. two of Falcon and the Winter Mm -hmm. Soldier. Episode two, right? Yes. So Amy didn't think we would be seeing Dr. Rainer again. I thought we would. And we made a bet that whoever was wrong would have to watch the movie of the others choosing. Yes. So I am a bit concerned right now. Yes. Amy will be viewing my favorite all-time feature-length documentary, My Cousin Vinny, starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, and her biological clock. Enjoy. <sighs> okay. It is fantastic. Ms. Tomei won a goddamn Oscar for it. You'll be fine. All right. Okay. I'm just a bit disappointed because Dr. Rayner, you were not there throughout. And like, as you Americans say, on the home stretch, she shows up. (laughs) Just in time for me to ascend to glory. Anyway. Yeah. Damn it. Speaking of glory, this finale. Yes, this finale was fan-fucking-tastic. Absolutely loved it, start to finish. But I have to ask, are we sure that Christopher Nolan didn't tie up Carly Scoglin, throw her in a closet, and direct this episode himself? (laughs) Well, there were a few similarities, but bound to be, right? It was a very gritty, Dark Knight-esque vibe, uh, particularly when a certain super soldier... Popped on a motorcycle. We'll get there. I'm surprised you're being able to speak coherently after that. (laughs) You know, the thing I was worried about in terms of speaking coherently was my voice because I was screaming on my couch for Mr. Mackey. Oh, my God. Mm, Yeah. That's our cap. Yeah, definitely. And they went comic accurate with his costume. Not only that, but maybe I'm projecting, I don't know, because I've been part of the community for nine years, but it had an Air Force-y feel to it, too, which is... Makes sense, because he's an Air Force veteran, and he's got his wings. He needs to be aerodynamic. Yes. Oh, those wings are fabulous. All his toys. I don't know how to work them. I'd never figure it out, but I want them, nonetheless. You should be miles away from that stuff. (laughs) Seriously. I've been told... By some, I don't deserve such things. Not so much about deserve, because you'll break it, so whether you deserve it or not, it's not (laughs) going to be with you. And, you know, prior to this episode, if you had asked me, 
Krista, what show has your favorite, most satisfying ending of all time? I'd have said The Night Manager with Hugh Laurie ending up in the back of that van, just screaming like a toddler. It was so satisfying. And after watching this finale, that has changed. So we're not going to go completely chronologically with this episode, everybody, because the editing makes that a little tough. Yeah, and there's a lot of action. So we'll briefly go through that stuff and then we'll really pick up after things calm down. Yeah, lots of stuff happening simultaneously here. Yes, true. And that's the point, right? There's a lot of stuff happening. That's how everyone gets caught and all that stuff. Yeah, and they just throw us into this immediately. This is the Battle of New York light diet version. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of go pretty easy on the destruction. So Bucky gets there first, being he was already in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And Sam, we see just real quick, is on the way. Yeah, we don't really see him. It's just kind of like a light passing by kind of thing. Yes. And Carly and her fellow Flag Smashers are waiting for Sam. They are on the move, getting into positions. And I don't know about you, but this for me was very unsettling in a good way. Okay. And again, Marvel's timing, just incredible. So when Winter Soldier came out in 2014, the whole Hydra infiltration it felt very fictional, very comic booky, because that's what happened in the comics. And I love Winter Soldier. It's a fantastic movie. But it still felt like, oh, this isn't real. Whereas now, in 2021, following the events at the Capitol of January 6th, this doesn't just feel real. This happened. It, it had me thinking about all of the military personnel and cops that have been identified as people who were part of that insurrection, Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel fictional anymore. This is as much real life as anything else we're seeing in this show. Right. So obviously this was shot before the 6th of Jan. So in this case, you could say it's life imitating art in a way. Yeah. And a group of writers you know, really seeing the writing on the wall that so many of us had seen. I think this is something that might be getting overlooked a little bit in the discourse on this show. Well, also, this is something that's happened in a lot of shows and movies. Mm -hmm. And earlier on, it would be like, okay, yeah, this kind of shit happens in movies and stuff. You know, it's never actually going to happen in real life. Till it does. It's not unique. Yeah. It's not unique to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's just the most recent instance of it happening on a show. And it's very well done. Yeah, true. There's nothing cheesy about it. Mm -hmm. So Bucky comes along here to help the cops. And who does he just happen to run into? But Sharon Carter. Yeah. And she has a very nifty mask. Hmm. Now, for our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, we'll find this very familiar. Yes, I recall uh, Agent May 
So Agent 33 takes the place of Agent May in order to get Agent Coulson to do something. Details are a bit fuzzy. And they eventually have this epic fight, the two of them. And it's fantastic. If you guys haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., absolutely watch it. This, I believe, happens in season three or maybe four. But in any case, season four is the best season of the show. Yes. So Sharon is, uh, quote unquote, here to help. We'll just say it right now. We won't wait. Ms. Carter is the power broker. Yeah, but she did help. Herself. And Sam and Bucky. In the process. That was, yes, yes, that was not necessarily the goal. In fact, I'm not entirely sure what her goal was. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I think Sam particularly has overlooked some potential red flags with Sharon. One of them being, she got here awfully fast. Yeah, well, in a situation like this, you're just kind of glad for all the help you can get. Uh-huh. Yep. And she, again, she's helping way too readily and playing on the fact that these two men just assume she's being altruistic. Mm-hmm. So she's basically playing to their expectations. Exactly. Of the good agent. And she's doing it brilliantly. Yeah. And as the episode progresses, we will delve deeper into everything power broker. Oh, we certainly will, because I have things to say. <laughs> and, you know, she mentions her pardon here about how she's just willing to throw it away. They're not all they're cracked up to be anyway. And Bucky says something interesting here. That it depends on the therapist. Yeah. Well, he kind of said it as a joke because he has to go to therapy or rather he had to go to therapy for his pardon. I didn't see it as a joke. I saw it as ever since his talk with Sam, he's started doing the work. He started mm -hmm. putting himself back together and he's gaining newfound respect for Dr. Rayner and the work that he's done with her, realizing how much of a difference it's actually made and all the tools that she's given him. Okay, all right. So Carly, while she's waiting for Sam, gives her team a bit of a pep talk because they're about to really, really get deep into this shit and there's no turning back. And Carly says something to them that I think was very timely, particularly this week. They're not going to stop, not unless we make them. Now, what Sam has been trying to get through to Carly is that she's lost her way, is that there is a way to lead this movement without killing people, without violence. And I'm totally with Sam on that. But that statement can absolutely be applied to cops in America right now. The idea that they will continue hostile and deadly policing towards Black people until they're stopped. So that statement had me thinking of the Chauvin verdict, where a jury legally and peacefully took an important first step in stopping those cops. Still a very long way to go, but an important first step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the security that was in the GRC meeting were flag smashers and they throw out these smoke bombs and essentially flush all the delegates out. 
And Carly is waiting for Sam to arrive to really get things going. Right now, she's just setting the table. And it tells us that her plan is to use Bucky and Sam in some way to manipulate them as part of the plan. Yeah. I think her plan was to tell them, look, this is happening. Join me or I'll kill you. I was going to disagree with you until you said the or I'll kill you part. (laughs) Yeah, she's gone off the deep end. Yeah, that that pretty much describes Carly in this episode. Everything ends with or I'll kill you. (laughs) Yeah. Did you notice like how pronounced the use of color was in this episode? In what sense? Lots of reds and blues and the red, especially in that in Sam's fight with Petroc and Mm -hmm. the general mayhem, it added to the sense of fear and chaos. Yeah, true. There was a lot of red and everything outside was very blue because it was, you know, dark and late in the night. Yeah, I thought it was very well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Overall, I think the color grading for this show has been really, really good. It really sets the mood. And as delegates are ferried to their respective evacuation zones, Sam crashes in. Bam! Yeah. (laughs) Tony Stark isn't the only one who knows how to make an entrance. (laughs) Yeah, he comes in and he looks very shiny in his new suit. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely (laughs) loved it. Holding that shield. Yes! And we get a nice little pan from bottom to top, like we generally do get for the women. Yes, but Sam Wilson is not here to play around or pose. Who are you? I'm Captain America. Bam. Wait, I thought he was on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I started screaming at the TV early on. And it was at this point I realized, oh, you know what, Christy, you have a podcast to record tomorrow. Cool it. Take it easy. But I just couldn't. Yeah, and maybe save the rest of the neighborhood from your decibels. (laughs) At four in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I really feel bad for your neighbors sometimes. So Sam's got shit to do and he gets down to it. He immediately recognizes Carly's plan to get everybody out of the building rather than keep everybody in. Correct. And he tells the security guys and they don't listen, partly because they don't know who the fuck he is. And also because some of these guys are flag smashers and they need to get these guys out. Yes. So this is where shit really starts getting crazy. First things first, Sam needs to deal with Batroc. And, you know, when he showed up, I felt the way I had with Walker in the previous episodes. Where I was like, oh my God, would you just go away? <laughs> yeah. So these guys have a fight with Batroc just kicking and kicking and kicking. Dude's got some serious stamina. He does, but he's also really just a stalling tactic. He doesn't realize he's at a disadvantage because his goal is to kill Sam. But Mm -hmm. Sam just has to get past him. Yeah, but he doesn't think that. He just... No, because he's an idiot. Yeah, he just wants to kill Sam and get it over with. Yeah, he's such a friggin' nuisance. (laughs) Put your feet away. (laughs) So these guys have their tussle and we keep intercutting between them and the other stuff that's happening. 
Yes. The other thing that's going on is with Bucky. Who is falling for the oldest trick of the book. Come on, Buck. Yeah, okay. So Connie called that lady and that lady gave Bucky the phone. Correct. And Bucky doesn't ask any questions. He just takes the damn phone. Yeah. That lady was pretty, I must say. Well, my eyes were elsewhere. Of course. But yeah, Bucky is falling for this. She's just on the phone with him to stall. She knows he's not going to come over to her side. Yeah, and why is he not walking and talking? (laughs) Well, he's still getting used to cell phones, okay? Give him a break. I agree. He's totally falling for this. And we see him (laughs) fall for this as he's on the phone with her. Carly's mole in security is securing the GRC council as hostages. And they get out while Bucky's distracted. Yeah. Seriously, Bucky, you had one job. Yeah, I agree. That's the thing about Carly. She's a fantastic planner and a master manipulator. She's just lost her way. She knew exactly how to deal with Bucky and Sam. And... So did Sharon, because Sharon's doing about five different jobs here and keeping them all (laughs) secret. Yep. For all the gentlemen out there, if you need any lessons in uh, compartmentalization, look no further than Ms. Carter. (laughs) So once Bucky realizes that he's been played... Like a fucking fiddle. (laughs) He then heads to the garage and takes a random bike. Oh, I don't care what he took. Don't care. (laughs) Don't care whose it was. I don't care. I don't care if he stole that bike from a three-legged blind dog. It's fine. I was just wondering who in the UN has such spiffy bikes? (laughs) And can I be friends with them? Bucky's going after the hostages that were taken out on his watch. While Sharon uh, slips that mole a little something. Yeah. And as soon as he gets in his van, boom. Yeah, mercury vapor, amongst other things, do tell. Yeah, his skin is basically just melting off. Yeah, he looks like an (laughs) X-File. It's disgusting. Yeah, that was a bit much. But it is kind of foreshadowing to what we should expect from Sharon. So far, we've not seen her be quite so brutal. I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. Just as I'm here for uh, Bucky on this motorcycle, I went from screaming on the couch to fanning myself. It's a nice bike. Yes. Just can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> no, I mean, I'd be happy to ride that bike. She, she's doing this on purpose, people. <laughs> she set me up every time and I'm not going to give her the fucking satisfaction. I won't do it. Is it? Really? You're really not going to do it? Nope. You don't nope. want to ride? I hate you! I hate you <laughs> so much! <laughs> oh, this is the part of my job that I love. Everyone in my life pushes my buttons. <laughs> <sighs> That's because they're so easy to push. So Sam is still dealing with uh, Kiki McKickerson up here. And I love, again, how Sam is so adept at using every tool in his arsenal to his advantage. Yeah, he has to. Because he goes up against people who are far more powerful than him. Yeah, but even still, 
he kind of just brushes Batroc off like he's lint on his shoulder. Stubborn lint, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Takes him a little while, but just goes right through that window. Man, holy action sequence, Batman! (laughs) Yeah, because he's in a bit of a rush because the chopper's taking off and he needs to go. And obviously Bucky can't fly. That's his thing. (laughs) Indeed it is. And Red Wing is back! Yes, two. Yes. Lose one, get one free. (laughs) Speaking of which, if he doesn't at the very least send Shuri a fucking edible arrangement, I'm going to be very upset with Mr. Wilson. For a second, I thought marijuana. No. Why would I want him to send her weed? I don't know. I mean, you said edible. I think weed. I said edible arrangement. A nicely quaffed basket of fruit yes well i kind of went with pot brownies it concerns me that you would go to weed before a nicely quaffed basket of fruit hey i've forgotten how to people okay (laughs) so sam is pursuing another group of hostages that the flag smashers have taken in a helicopter yes and they're all planning to converge at one point where carly has reached that with her group Yes. And we see here what an outstanding leader Sam is. He knows this has to be a team effort. So what does he do? He looks for an ally inside that helicopter and he finds one. Yes, thankfully so. And that ally is also a Filipino woman. That was very exciting to see. Mm -hmm. Yes. Isla Perez. So we then cut to Carly and... Carly is giving her group a kind of demoralizing speech this time. A uh, little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay for us to die. Yeah, this is when the folks at Jonestown started to get a little nervous. Know what I mean? Yeah, but they still kind of stick with it, right? Yeah, but for a different reason now. It's less for the cause and more out of peer pressure from Carly. These people don't want to die. Yeah, they don't. And I don't think they want to kill all these people. No, they don't. You can see the hesitation in all of them, especially Dovich, who is seeing his friend and leader just kind of lose the plot. Yes, the one white woman, too, whose name I don't know. I don't know if we get it. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so all Carly cares about is stopping that vote. Yes, she does. But she doesn't care how. Earlier, it was more about dialogue and trying to make people understand. Now it's just kill, kill, kill. It's almost like she's bloodthirsty. She is. I think she absolutely is. Mm -hmm. And we get some amazing aerials here. Sam in the air. Oh, my God. This is as great as anything you'll see in the best action movie. Absolutely, yeah. The budget for this was fantastic. and He looks absolutely majestic. Yeah, with the wings touching the water and all. Yeah, really well done. So Sam isn't saving hostages here. He is saving two cops and an NYPD helicopter who are about to go down. Yeah, so basically the Flag Smasher Chopper is trying to ram into from i could be wrong but based on what i could see with the action a lot was going on the flag smasher chopper was 
trying to ram into this NYPD chopper, but Sam gets these two cops out of the way and helps them land safely on the highway. And damn right these people are cheering. Oh, I love it. And filming. Yeah, and I love the fact how he used the shield on top along with the wings to protect this guy. Amazing. So a couple things to note here. One, Steve Rogers could not have done any of this because he can't fly. True. He would have certainly wanted to save these people. Absolutely. But it's important to note that we can't compare the two in terms of abilities. Character, absolutely. But in terms of abilities, Sam brings something new to the table. His version of Captain America is more like a hybrid of Steve and Tony's capabilities. Yeah, and it wouldn't be fair to compare them anyways. They're different people. Oh, because that stops people from trying? And I think that's where John Walker was losing his mind because everyone was comparing him and he himself was comparing himself to Steve Steve Jobs. Uh, (laughs) He's definitely more like Steve Jobs. (laughs) Why did that name come to me right now? I do not know, but okay. I mentioned him yesterday to you. That's why. Right. Yes. Okay. New rule. No names except character names now. Okay. (laughs) And he himself was comparing himself to Steve Rogers. So that's where he kind of was losing his mind. And then he went spiraling with what happened. Well, to be fair, we were doing the same thing. I think it's important to an extent. They are absolutely different people, but there are a lot of similarities in their character. And that's what makes them both right for the job. Yes, character, yes, we can. But when it comes to fighting styles and abilities, it's it's not fair. No, not at all. Because Steve Rogers, super soldier, Sam Wilson, loves flying around like a bird, not a super soldier. Right. And the other thing of note here, and I want to give a shout out to a good friend of the show, Charles, made me realize this today. In today's world, Sam Wilson would have every reason not to want to save two police officers, but he doesn't even hesitate. Yeah, and that's who Sam is. And overall, I think from a macro perspective in terms of movies and the shorthand that is generally used for showing who's a good guy versus who's a bad guy and that sort of thing, we always end up seeing cops overall in American shows to be good most of the time. And when a hero is saving a cop, it tends to be the shorthand for, yes, he's the real deal. He's the right guy. Mm-hmm. So while Sam is saving the cops, Bucky is on his way to deal with Carly. And I must say, does he need to ride the motorcycle and use himself as a projectile? <laughs> no, not necessary. After all, he is a super soldier. He can run very fast. Am I glad he did? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit overkill. Don't care. But it kind of makes sense because he's a super soldier. Dovich is a super soldier, so he would need a higher level of kinetic force in order to destabilize him. Kinetic force. 
What? <laughs> okay. What? What? What did I? What was wrong with that? <laughs> Is that wrong I physics? Am I wrong? I feel like you're compensating for me. <laughs> How? Because I'm down in the gutter, and you've got to bring it up more highbrow with a twenty dollars word. <laughs> <laughs> We balance each other out, right? (laughs) So, uh, as I would say, Bucky flies off the fucking motorcycle. (laughs) And he starts dealing with these flag smashers, and Carly realizes quickly, oops, we need a diversion for him. Give the puppy a ball of yarn to play with. Yeah. So, again, she knows him well enough to know that he would make sure that he saves these people. Yes. And it works. Yes, because Bucky is not all about to let a truck full of people burn alive. Correct. But also, Carly doesn't care if they do. Yeah, she doesn't because her plan was to kill them anyway, so this might probably just be a more brutal way of killing them. So who gives a shit, right? Right. (laughs) Speaking of who gives a shit, hello, Mr. Walker. (laughs) Well, he came in at the right point. You can't deny that. Yeah, him and his DIY shield showed up just in time. You know, I was wondering where the tinfoil in my studio here went. Now I know. (laughs) Yeah, so he shows up to continue where Bucky left off because Bucky is busy saving those people. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, for once I didn't scream, oh my God, go away. I was more indifferent towards him because I recognized like Carly does need to be stopped and he's here to do that. Yeah, and he. He was helpful this episode. Barely. We got to give him that. Oh, come on. Think about it. What did he actually do? He saved the truck. Sam saved the truck. What he did start, he bought Sam some time till he could reach there. Otherwise, the truck would have fallen over. Are you seriously giving me the you only opened the jar because I loosened it argument? (laughs) No, that, no, 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 I'm being serious. Come on. <laughs> I can't get on board. I can't. No, he did the right thing. He, he definitely did the right thing. He definitely did the right thing after thinking about it for a minute. Ahem. That's the thing. If you look at him this episode, first off, it's fantastic the way they wrote him, where we went from hating him all these episodes, these five episodes, and in this one episode, They showed us who he really is, his intentions. He went way off the rails because of all the pressure and Lamar's death and all of that. Yes, absolutely. And he's absolutely not meant to be Cap, 100%. But as a person, not as Captain America, he's not perfect. He is a flawed human being, but he wants to do the right thing. Because if it was all about just Captain America for him, which it kind of was till the previous episode, but here he wouldn't have bothered to try to save those people. And he did. He would have had the Flag Smashers not pounced on him like a pack of hyenas. But he still stopped and thought about it. No, he's disoriented. Oh, I didn't see it that way. When he's being kicked down and all the Flag Smashers are kicking him, this is right now, you can see he's disoriented. He's feeling 
something weird. And then he looks and he looks at the medal that is there at the back of his shield. And that's when Bucky comes in and saves Walker from being basically pummeled to death. Yes, that's not the moment I'm that's not the moment I'm talking about. Yes, I know. And even later on, when it comes to the truck. There is a sense of disorientation with him. He's shaking his head. I'm shaking my head while I'm doing that. He's shaking his head because the the serum is is done something to him. He's not stable, but he's trying to clear from from what I'm thinking. He's trying to clear the noise in his head to do the right thing. I agree with you there, and I think the reason he's more stable here is because the serum is stabilizing. More time has passed since he took it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But that moment I saw differently. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't see that as disorientation. I saw that as a man who still had to think about it for a second. Do I want to save these people or do I want to keep pursuing vengeance? And the difference is Sam and Bucky never have to think. But he thought about it and he chose saving people. Yes, that but counts I'm saying, for something. I hold him to a higher standard. Why? The fact that he had to think about it, given his record, given everything he's done in the military, I hold him to a higher standard of service. He should not have to think about it. Shouldn't he? saving a truckload of innocent people or going after the flag smashers? No, he shouldn't have to think about that. From a purely tactical perspective, what will have the highest impact? What will be the highest chance of success? That's cold. It's cold, but it's tactical. And that's who he is. He's a tactical military person. But he's not thinking about tactics. He's thinking about vengeance. So which has a higher chance of success? It shouldn't be about success. That's the point. Agreed. But he's a military person. We are holding him up to the same standards as Steve Rogers or any of the other superheroes that we have. He's not a superhero. He's not a hero. We'll just agree to disagree on parts of that. That's fair. And Carly had said something to him that in case you weren't sure she'd lost it. When she says to Walker about Lamar, I don't want to hurt people that don't matter. Yeah, that's cold. The fact that she can't see the hypocrisy in that means she is just long gone. Yeah, yeah. She's no longer an empathetic leader. Right. Her entire platform is supposed to be that all people matter. One world, one people. And that's gone out the window. Correct. Yeah. And to anyone, irrespective of what you believe in, to say that to another person that your best friend doesn't matter and their life doesn't matter, that's that's a terrible thing to say. Yes. Rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah. Then the crazy wound. Bad idea. And that's when we get a really genuine reaction from Walker. Like, you thought, you think Lamar's life doesn't matter? Yeah. That's the most human reaction we get from him. (laughs) I think there's a more human reaction later, douche. But we'll get to that. (laughs) So 
while Walker is dealing with that, and we'll get to Sam in a moment, Bucky is saving the hostages from the truck. Yes. And he is really struggling with that little device that was put in. I want one of those. Why? I'll keep my cat out of my bedroom. Nothing else <laughs> seems to. <laughs> okay. Maybe you should get in touch with Sharon. She might be able to help you out with that. <laughs> she might just give you one of those mercury vapors by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. But Bucky does manage to get this off. And it's such a great moment for him because these people pile out of the truck and one of these guys looks at him and just sincerely thanks him. Yeah. And for Bucky, that's new and unexpected. Yeah, big time. He is used to being condemned for taking lives, not thanked for saving them. Yeah. And now we come to one of my favorite scenes. I know this may sound weird, but bear with me. Okay. Anybody who has ever driven in New York, or I'll also say Philadelphia, I can't speak for other major cities, was cheering when the flag smashers started ripping out parking meters and using them as weapons. <laughs> I loved this so much. There's not a person on this earth who doesn't hate parking meters. Yeah, paying for parking is just wrong. And it's a great metaphor because parking meters are genuinely a weapon of the state. They are used to not only gain revenue for parking, but mostly to gain revenue through ticketing. Because if you've driven in New York and attempted to park in New York, you know that parking there is kind of like um, a Looney Tunes insurance policy, where in order to collect on it, you have to be stampeded by a herd of pink elephants in your home on February 31st between the hours of midnight and 2.04 a.m. That's basically parking in New York. Good luck, because every sign has four rules that contradict the first two rules. And traffic cops love to hand out parking tickets, and the city just loves to collect that fine revenue. So the fact that these that this particular group is using them against the state and its representatives as actual weapons was fucking awesome. And those bitches are heavy. So they're no joke. Yeah, the super soldiers are able to pick that up. So, yeah. I will say, though, I did kind of want to see a bunch of quarters falling out of it. That's what was missing. <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. John Walker being rained down with quarters. <laughs> His mouth is just full of nickels. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I taste metal? <laughs> I mean, he is pretty disoriented, so... Yeah. He probably would have choked on one. You would have been happy. Accurate. <laughs> so, Bucky's getting a little overpowered here by the Flag Smashers, and I did get scared for a second when he falls off the building. Bucky doesn't have the best track record with falling. You know... <laughs> I didn't think of that, but when he is falling and he uses his vibranium arm to try to grab on but he can't get purchased and he falls he kind of reminded me of a cat yeah yes i can speak to that as somebody with a, a cat that's twice the size that she should be i see that quite a lot in my home 
This was another moment. My poor neighbors. I'm just screaming superhero landing in my house at 4 30 in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, so he lands down there and he's kind of stuck in that little pit. And worry not, John Walker joins him pretty soon. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> and Dovich lands in there as well. While these guys are having their play date, Sam is in a playpen. Sam has some stuff to do out in the water Yeah So now he manages to have a conversation with Isla That they need to coordinate On the count of five He's going to make his move And she needs to take the controls So he does A similar move to what he did In the first episode Except this time he breaks through with the shield And then he swoops in Grabs this dude and throws him in the water, and Ayla takes control of the chopper and gets them to land safely. Yeah, she is a damn hero. That she is. And quick thinking, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably has military training. Probably, yeah, makes sense. But Sam does get a little wet here. And again, bravo, Wakandan technology for not rusting. It's watertight. I think you mean waterproof. Proof. Tight, resistant, whatever. He's dry. You were using water tight for different reasons, weren't you? No, that really is the first. I swear, honestly, that it really is the first thing that came to mind. Am I using it the right way? No, you're not. Oh, I thought I was. I genuinely thought I was. That's airtight, not watertight. Damn it. Were you a little nervous, even though we knew he was going to be fine? Were you a little nervous when those giant metal tubes started falling into the water? I wasn't nervous. I just thought that they're probably going to they're going to cut there and leave us in suspense for for another major reveal later on. But they didn't. Yeah, it made me nervous. I thought it was good tension building. And it definitely pissed Sam off because somebody's earned his ass whooping now. Yeah, I love that line. Oh, it was great. (laughs) Great. Yeah. And that's like as pissed as Sam ever gets. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So we get back to Bucky and company and. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It just made me think of Oliver and company. I'm like, that's a musical I need to see now. Bucky and company. (laughs) And Carly gets into the truck. She takes these hostages drives and jumps out with the intention of letting this truck fall off this empty area but they get stuck thanks to the beams and yeah and bucky and everyone are just looking from down in sheer horror because they don't know what's going to happen but walker tries to save and he pulls the truck back loosens the jar and Carly and the others jump on him and he's still holding onto the truck while he's trying to fend them off. But eventually they overpower him and the truck again tilts forward about to fall mm-hmm. and then it stops. Because the real cap's here. So sit your ass down, John. <laughs> and that scene, the way they pan down and we see the shield. Oh. Fantastic. This reminded me 
of Steve bicep curling the helicopter. Actually, Bucky pulling the door to open the truck door reminded me of that. Okay. Just that sheer, not only physical strength, but it's also sheer force of will. Yeah, true. So Sam, with the help of his two little red wings, managed to push the truck up to a relatively safe position. And all these spectators on the street crack me up. This is something you see like on TV movies, specifically in the Northeast. At least that's how it comes across to me. They just assume we're all a bunch of goons who will come out and like watch this carnage as a sport. Kind of like in the old Spider-Mans, you know, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, that kind of thing. They were on a highway. No, but I mean the idea that they're out and not hiding in buildings. Oh, okay. That they're out and like cheering and feel like that's what I mean. Well, based on what we've seen in the MCU stuff, a lot of buildings tend to get broken and <laughs> really smashed. So I think it's kind of like an earthquake. It probably must be a PSA that must be told to the people at the MCU that in case of alien or some kind of attack, please go out. Chances are you won't die in the building. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if this was Boston, they'd have drunken idiots throwing empty beer bottles at the flag smashers. <laughs> okay. And then we get this rather cheesy scene of one guy saying, oh, that's Black Falcon. And the other dude saying, nope, that's Captain America. Cheesy my ass. It was kind of cheesy. I could watch that a hundred times and never get tired of it. Okay, to eat his own, I suppose. And it was also a very important moment because the younger guy, he doesn't agree. He doesn't say black Captain America. It's just Captain America. And the smile on his face says it all. Yeah, true. And man, on my couch, last week I was George McFly. This week I turned into Jack Nicholson because I'm screaming, you're goddamn right he is. <laughs> So Carly is not pleased with this turn of events. No, she isn't. And she joins the rest of the team in the pit, along with Sam. And she's very, very disappointed in him. Indeed. And did you see Bucky's face when he catches that spear that she's throwing at him? No. He had this look. He catches it. And he had this look on his face, just stares at her like, an, are you serious? Like, did you really just do that kind of face? Right. I guess they were all kind of distracted and like, oh, everyone's safe now. But, oh, she's still doing her nonsense. Yeah. He's looking at her like, what don't you get about this? Do you not see how off the rails you are? Like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, will you stop? Yes, exactly. And she just can't believe that Sam bought into this, as she said. And I love. His response to her, I'm trying something different. Maybe you should too. Mm, perfect. Sam has grown so much in these six episodes. True. Sam has evolved. She has devolved. So just as all of them are about to have a pit fight, Patrock comes in and smokes them all out. Ah, this pain in the ass. <laughs> I think he was sent there by Sharon because... Sharon is waiting for Carly. Yeah, 
She's just watching, waiting to see how everything plays out. Yeah. And Batroc smokes them all out. The Flag Smashers run away. Batroc gives Carly a gun. And thanks to the fantastic technology that the Wakandans have given Sam, he's able to track them into this abandoned building or under construction building, whatever. Lots of sheets all over the place. Yes. And they lose track of the Flag Smashers for a bit. Walker and Bucky go their separate way. Sam goes his way. With all of Sam's goodies here and the wigs, how long would you give me? How quickly would I accidentally kill myself? Can I use a stopwatch? <laughs> That's probably all you need. <laughs> because I will need to measure in fractions of seconds. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't really argue with that. Or you'd probably end up on the moon. <laughs> hey. Oh, no, no, that's gross. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? I forgot Steve's old. Never mind. Hey, old Steve would probably have a good stamina still. You know, super soldier. Stop. Doesn't stop, quite stop, fade away. Nope. Stop. <laughs> nope. So because Bucky and Sam are getting played like a soccer ball here, they are in constant contact with Sharon, letting her know exactly what they're doing and where they are. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and Sharon already knows where they are because she's waiting for Carly. And I love how Walker just goes with Sam and Bucky. He doesn't ask, and they're like, fine. He's like that little brother that, you know, you got to take everywhere. Like if there's, say, a five-year age gap, like you're 15, your little brother's 10, and your mom is like, you will invite him and you will include him. Because sometimes the 10-year-old is slightly useful. Yeah, Walker was useful here. And it goes to show that even though he knows Sam is Captain America at this point, he's still going along. He's still trying to help. Yes, and they have seen enough at this point to know he's on their side. And this time, he won't try to get in the way. That's the most important thing. Yes, that's the thing. And they're not begrudgingly bringing him along. He is trying to be proactive and trying to help. And Bucky is with him, kind of like a chaperone uh-huh. and, you know, doing what they need to do. <laughs> yes. So we get Carly creeping through here and then we hear the whistle. Mm-hmm. And that is Sharon's reveal. Yes. So they have a conversation at sort of gunpoint where Carly reveals that Sharon is the power broker. Were you excited for this reveal? Because I was happy. I was absolutely thrilled. And some of you listening might be surprised by this if you're listening for the first time. Those of you who've been with us for a while know that (laughs) we called this, we're saying it, we're gloating, we called this. Yes, we did. When we first saw Sharon for the first time. Yeah. And we were actively excited for it. Yes. And frankly, I kind of thought that it wouldn't happen, but I'm really glad that it did. Yes. So if you're a first time listener, you might say, why are these two women so excited that a woman has been turned from a hero into a villain? Here's why. This is an extremely empowering moment for Sharon. Last we saw her before she showed up in Madripoor. She was a woman 
who had conformed to certain expectations. She was Peggy Carter's niece. She had joined S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, towed that line. She sacrificed herself entirely for three men and was forced to go on the run, was betrayed by the people who were supposed to have her back, who didn't help her in the end. And this is so often the case for women in the real world. We're expected within patriarchal societies, which is most of them, we're expected to conform to certain family expectations or cultural expectations, not only of subservience, but the idea that we are supposed to put others before ourselves, that if we do anything for ourselves, take care of ourselves first, that it's being selfish in some way, which is a big old load of bullshit. So for me, this was a woman looking out for herself as she should, because guess what? Nobody else did and nobody else is going to. And as for the people who were saying, oh, how could she do this to the Carter name? What would Peggy think? How would Peggy? Peggy's dead. And even if she wasn't, who the fuck cares? I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. And Peggy was a strong woman. She wouldn't, she would have done whatever it took in order to survive. Yeah. Women don't have to do something just because their families want them to, or just because society tells them to. And also, we don't know what she's actually been doing in Madripoor. We know just little bits. But as far as this whole empire and business goes, we don't know what her motives are. We don't know if she is taking the stance that she is doing what's right now. And honestly, what she's doing isn't any different from the corrupt governments and the GRC that we've seen on the show. It's shades of gray, again. So I'm not calling her an outright villain because we just don't know yet. Yeah, we're expecting her to be a villain. And even if she is, that's fine. It is. Women are allowed to be villains, especially this woman, after all she's been through. Yeah, she naturally would be disillusioned. And why shouldn't she be a villain? This is her story arc. Yes. And you can't say you love charismatic male villains who are equally selfish, like Zemo or like Loki, and then shit on Sharon in the next breath. That, I think, stems from a certain sense of misogyny. Absolutely. Because we see a lot of these guys, they're very charismatic and attractive. So a lot of women like them because of their persona. Whereas with Sharon, we as people tend to hold women up to higher standards. Mm -hmm. And we see so many women shitting on other women because it's that ingrained misogyny that we have. And in a lot of other shows and movies, Whenever we see women as the villain, they're always overly sexualized. And that's not the case with Sharon. Not at all. Or Carly, for that matter. True. And it's funny because the same people who are so happy about Bucky and Sam's growth and how much they've changed are now pissed that Sharon has also changed, as if she didn't have the right to do so. After all that's happened to her, the betrayal, being on the run, the blip, everything, of course she's going to change. 
the reason why people are also unhappy about it is because they want her to continue being off service to Bucky and Sam. You're right. Or they want her to be with Bucky. Okay, maybe. Either way, they're making it about Sam and Bucky and not Sharon. And that's the point. Yeah, that's always the case. It's always about the men. Or about Peggy. I think Peggy's more as an excuse right now because they're unhappy with Sharon. Could be. The same way a lot of people are shitting on this finale in weird ways because they don't want to broadcast their racism. Could be. So we're told that Carly and the Flag Smashers had been working for Sharon and Madripoor, as we expected. Yes, but not as the Flag Smashers. Carly and her friends. Right. And Carly knew the entire time. It wasn't like Sharon was hiding behind anything. She knew she was the power broker the whole time and thus knew exactly who was threatening on those texts. Yes. But Chalk didn't know. So when he came in, he tried to blackmail Sharon that, oh, you're the power broker. Now you need to pay me four times over what we've discussed. (laughs) It's like, dude, I mean, come on. Can you be more stupid? Were you kicking yourself in the head while you were practicing all these moves? (laughs) I had Morgan Freeman's voice in the back of my mind. Good luck. I think Sharon did kind of have that in her head too, because you kind of see that reaction from her. Like, are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) And she knows he's not worth her time. So she basically tells him, I don't do blackmail and boom, shoot him. And I think this is an example of what we just talked about. Patrok thinking he can take advantage of a woman. Patrok thinks he can take advantage of a chair. That's a fair point. Yeah, so it's an easy decision for Sharon. She shoots him, but he does manage to get a shot off and shoot her in the process. No, Carly shoots her. Oh, I thought Patrol killed shot her. No, he did not react. Too many kicks to the head. Oh, <laughs> okay. And as soon as Patrol came in, we see that Carly takes that as an opportunity to put her finger back on the trigger. So she is waiting for an opportunity to shoot Sharon. Yeah. And man, Sharon could not have scripted this better herself. Yeah. So Sam hears the gunshots and he comes running in and he sees Sharon on the ground, wounded with Carly standing over her, waiting to kill her. Exactly what Sharon wants him to see. Yeah. This was such a perfect setup for her cover. It was. Intentionally or not, but it worked out fantastically for her. Mm-hmm. So Sam tries to talk Carly down one last time, which doesn't work. Yeah, this is a great line here. A number of people are upset. They think there's a missed opportunity here when Carly tells Sam to stay down. And they really wanted Sam to say, I can do this all day. And I'm so glad he didn't. Yeah, that would have been too much. That, but also, one, he's his own man. He's his own Captain America. Correct. And two, it is much more powerful for a black man to calmly say no when somebody tells him to stay down. Mm -hmm. That hit me. That has its own power. It does. 
And again, Carly can't see the hypocrisy of telling someone else fighting for a cause who's been in her shoes to stay down. She's telling him to stay down because, like it or not, she respects him and she and she doesn't want to hurt him. But when he still stands up, that's when she loses that control that she has, that little bit of respect for him. And she just starts beating on him. Yeah, that screaming. Erin Kellyman did a great job here just screaming, fight me, fight me. Yeah. This made me feel like she was having one of those teenage angst temper tantrums. Yes. Yeah, and she does look younger in this episode, and she's also younger than I thought the character was, because Sam will call her a teenager later in the episode. Yeah. It really goes to show that Carly, she's just angry with the world. She's a good speaker. She's a good tactician. And she's created this movement that is fantastic, and it ha- and it is a noble cause. But along the way, she let her anger get to her. She did. And And she lost her way. And, you know, last episode, I had been questioning whether she had help in organizing all this. And I was really falling into the same trap, you know, and doubting her ability to do this when it has been Carly all along. Yeah. Because we haven't seen anything to the contrary. And it's the same thing that we did even during One Division. We kept thinking that there has to be someone else, a bigger bad, that actually has created the hex and Wanda is trapped in it. Right. Or she signed a deal with the devil. But it wasn't. It was Wanda's power. This is something we're definitely going to be more cognizant of moving forward. Yeah. And the MCU so far in phase four has done a fantastic job of turning things on their head. Yes. And I'll be honest, when we heard that phase four is going to be more diverse, it's going to tell us different stories and things like that. I just took it as marketing speak. I didn't really buy it. I said, yeah, sure. By saying more diverse, there'll be one extra person of color somewhere floating around another joke. Or something like that. But from what we've seen so far, they are really doing it. Yeah, 100%. And good on them. And it's up to us to change our mindsets moving forward. Well said. And this whole fight is heartbreaking because Sam is trying so hard to just subdue Carly. He doesn't want to hurt this girl. Yeah. He's trying so hard to save her and she doesn't want to be saved. Yeah, this is the equivalent of a parent trying to hold on to their child tight while they're having a tantrum in order to give them a hug and calm them down. Yeah, only this kid has a gun and she's not afraid to use it. Yeah, so just as she's about to shoot Sam, Sharon shoots her and kills her. Beautiful. For Sharon, not for Carly. That was that was. Me. Yeah, yeah. Please clarify. <laughs> <laughs> because now Sharon's secret is safe, and mm-hmm. Sam owes her even more. True, and Sam is absolutely heartbroken that she's dying. He is. He holds her in his arms. Oh, and at that moment, while she's dying, she tells him, "I'm sorry." She never thought it would come to that. 
Yeah. Even though she did say that she was ready to die. I think there was a good amount of bravado in that. Yeah. You know, teenagers generally think they're invincible and they're going to live forever. Add a super soldier serum. Yeah, I don't think she saw this coming. Yeah, pretty much. Meanwhile, Bucky and Walker are leading the other Flag Smashers into a trap using their own app. This was great. Yeah, and good on Bucky for finally getting tech savvy. (laughs) Did better than I could have. I would have ended up in the fucking East River. Agreed. And Walker just can't fucking help himself. (laughs) If I'm the Flag Smashers here, I'm like, you know what? Just put the cuffs on me and just take me away from this guy. Okay, I'd rather <laughs> sit in a cell than have to listen to this idiot quote Abraham Lincoln. It was a good line. Well, I understand Bucky's exasperation here because really, you tone deaf jackass, that's what you're going to pull out after everything. And I think this was another very intentional line by the writers. Mm-hmm. So many white people, you know, heading into this. Myself included, up until I watched certain stuff on YouTube this week, had always just thought of Abraham Lincoln as the great emancipator. You know, this great man who freed the slaves, kept the union together, blah, blah, blah. I think that's exactly the point here. Because Abraham Lincoln, despite the fact that he freed the slaves, was an absolute racist. In fact, during one of his famous debates with Stephen Douglas, Abraham Lincoln said, quote, I am not, nor ever have been, in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. There is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think the point of using this line for Walker specifically is just further embodiment of the ignorance, whether willful or involuntary ignorance of white Americans, myself included. Okay. I would have really enjoyed it if Bucky just gave him a smack on the head, you know? So the Flag Smashers are taken away as Sam returns looking like an angel holding Carly's body. Yeah. So he puts her body onto a gurney and goes to have a chat with the GRC delegates. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. I teared up a little bit during this speech. It was very well said. I have loved this show from day one, and it has been incredibly powerful, but it was this speech that really did it for me and made me realize that I think I just watched one of the most important shows that will be on in my lifetime. Okay. I think every kid in America should be watching this show. I think, I hope teachers are watching this show. Sam hits so many important points in this speech. And he's absolutely right about every single one of them. Everything he says here can be applied to the real world. True. You know, when he says we finally have a common struggle now, he's talking about the blip. But people, this is COVID. 
I wanted to put this speech on a megaphone across the planet. Yeah, we all are struggling right now. We're all, frankly, in a really bad position the world over. Yeah. Any country struggling right now, it affects the rest of us as well. Yeah. And he's right in that terrorist is a word often used to demonize a group of people for simply holding a viewpoint that's different from your own, that differs from your own interests. Labeling someone or something is an easy way to dismiss it. Yes. And if you think we're wrong about this, look no further than the way the Black Lives Matter movement has been covered in the media versus how the Capitol riot was covered. We had peaceful protesters being demonized as terrorists by many simply because they were fighting for the rights of Black Americans. And then we have a group of people being hailed as heroes and patriots by many for enacting a goddamn violent insurrection that killed people simply because they were mostly white men. And we get glimpses of a few people here. As Sam is speaking, we see Isaiah Bradley, who is clearly so proud of Sam. Because this is on live TV. Yeah, we see him visibly moved. And for him to see a black man who seizes this opportunity to speak out and to be heard is incredible for Bradley. And then we see Torres watching his hero in awe. Mm -hmm. And then there's Sarah, who is watching with a mix of pride, pain, some fear in there. And I think to a very bittersweet feeling that she wishes their parents could see their son right now. Yeah. And again, we, we have the parallels here. Speaking about governmental responsibility, they are responsible for the displaced peoples from the blip, just as world governments today are responsible for protecting their people from COVID and distributing vaccines and so on and so forth. And most world governments have failed fucking miserably at it. Yes, with they have. With a handful of exceptions. Australia and New Zealand, you guys are awesome. Yeah. And Israel has done a fantastic job with vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And I think of everything Sam says here, the most important is who's in the room with you when you're making those decisions? Representation matters, people. This is why. True. This is exactly what the world needs right now. This is what people need to hear. But the senator is having a hard time listening to this. Yeah, because he's a white man who's been in authority for most of his life. Yeah, he just wants to say that it's very complicated and you don't understand. Yeah, give him a pat on the head and send him on his way. Not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Sam doesn't give up and he does his best to get his message across. And we will find out later he succeeds because the, the GRC does suspend 
It's resettlement plans. Yes. Now, uh, Bucky missed all of this because he was texting. (laughs) Yeah. And the one line that he says is, nice job, Cap. It was almost too much. It was just Mm -hmm. absolutely lovely. That coming from Bucky, I think for him, as much as Sarah, just means the world to Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bucky's the only other person who knows what that means. Correct. And Butch and Sundancer walking over to Sharon here and Sam tells her, I didn't forget my promise. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. We do <laughs> see later on that she does get pardoned. Yes, yes. But Sam's not quite done. There's still a flag smasher in the water and this is just great. This GRC guy or possibly law enforcement says to him, can you help? Always. Yeah. He doesn't even have to think about it. Sam Wilson is the hero we need right now, even though we do not deserve him. So things are winding down here. All the flag smashers have been rounded up. And they're being transported to the raft. Mm -hmm. But, boom. (laughs) And we see a rather familiar old man sitting in a car. Yes, indeed. I didn't recognize him at first without a serving tray in his hand. (laughs) Yeah, so that was Osnick, Zemo's butler. And I do appreciate that even though you're murdering people, you must always wear your white gloves. Of course. And I'm sure he's got tails on. Yes. One has to be presentable at all times. (laughs) So we get all of five seconds of Zemo here, but man, worth every penny, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we hear over the radio that the Flag Smashers were killed in a bombing and Zemo is happy. He is content. That little smile was just perfect. Yeah, so which made me think that he still is unaware of the fact that John Walker is now a super soldier. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point, because he has kept that little tidbit to himself. Sam, too. Yeah. I have to ask, did you notice Zemo's radio? Yes. Where did he get that? 1945? Probably because they wouldn't want to give the prisoners high tech. That's true. A lot That's of them point. are really smart. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a lot of books. They At least they're keeping him entertained. So that's a good thing. Yes. Well, our MCU villains do enjoy reading in their dungeons. Yes, they do. So I'm wondering, will John Walker someday, once the secret comes out, get another visit from an old butler? I think it depends on how long it takes for that secret to come out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking he's got at least a few toes in the grave. (laughs) Maybe. Or maybe the sheer power of serving keeps him alive. I don't know. I think he's one questionable canopy away from... (laughs) landing in the ICU at the very least. (laughs) All right. So after these events, a little time passes. And the first person we see is the queen bitch once again, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. I'm going to call her Madam Don't Call Me Val from this point on. (laughs) So Val is with Walker's wife and they're waiting outside for the bride to make... (laughs) 
her entrance. And Val is just having a ball fucking with this poor woman. Yeah, I feel really bad for her. Really. I, I feel like she was kind of made to just look incredibly useless here. Yeah, she didn't say a word. No, she's just going along with all of this. Yeah, she's the stereotypical good wife. And Walker here, my God. My golden retriever has a better idea of what he's agreeing to when I ask him for a shake than John Walker does. <laughs> so yeah, so he comes out, we see his new costume, and it's the same, but black. Which means he still looks like a fucking idiot. I have a feeling whenever we do see him in the future, they will adjust the costume and make it a little more appealing. Maybe. And I feel like he's still not quite right in the head because he has no idea what he's getting into. And he's acting like a kid at a birthday party who doesn't know it's not his birthday party. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, he's being very naive. He's more excited by the fact that he's back and he's able to do something now. Yeah. Now, here's my question about being back. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think this was intentionally confusing. This is where we might have to get the yarn out. Okay. They are in the same room, the same building that Walker was in when he was stripped of everything. Correct. He is no longer allowed to represent the U.S. government in any capacity. Right. So who the fuck is Val? Who is she either working for, working with, or who is she employing? And how does she have access to this government space? And why would she do this here and not a porter potty somewhere? You know, of all the places they could go to do this, perhaps find the only phone booth that's left in the world, there are options. So what are they doing here and why? Okay, so I cannot answer the questions of who she's working for, with, etc., etc. But the reason they're in the same room, so far it's pretty clear that Val has connections and she has information, more information than the government itself does because she knows about Walker's super serum and the shield not being with him. Two, as for them being in this room, it would be pretty poetic for Walker to be in the same place where he was stripped of his rank and etc etc to be told to come back and be given a new designation and a new title absolutely wait so are you saying this is part of her manipulation absolutely ah and his wife is not needed she was there because val wants to keep her involved and to make walker trust her Yes, I agree 100%. Walker's wife, her name is Olivia, was completely superfluous. Yes, she's there only to add that additional sense of trust for Walker. So this is all Val's manipulation. Absolutely. I can't wait to see where they take her character. Yeah, I can't wait to see what she does. And I look forward to Wyatt Russell's return because this guy is fantastic. Yeah, he is. And... Now we move on to Mr. Barnes, who I could not be more proud of. 
Yeah. So he heads back to Mr. Nakajima's house and finally opens up to him. Yeah. And we were dreading this moment, thinking there was going to be a super emotional confrontation, but that's not what happens. And I think they went the right way with it. Yeah. Bucky confesses to Mr. Nakajima that he killed his son and he had no choice in it. Right. And I think that line is so important because it's a way of showing, not telling that Bucky didn't have a choice then, but he has choices now. True. But from an outsider's perspective, it might seem like an excuse. Like I had to do it kind of thing with Walker. Yeah. But we know he's telling the exact truth. Yeah. And we just fade away and we don't see... Mr. Nakajima's reaction. We just see Bucky leave. And I thought this was great because it leaves it ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Because we can't expect Mr. Nakajima to just forgive him. That would be disingenuous to everything. Correct. And it also would have taken away, I think, from Isaiah Bradley's moment. True. And another thing to be considered is that Maybe Mr. Nakajima didn't have a reaction. He was processing. Could be. And Bucky left to give him that time to process. Yeah. It would be selfish of Bucky to wait there and expect something from this man who's been struggling for so many years. Right. Because Bucky understands now it's not about him. It's about them. Correct. So we know a little more time passes. Bucky's doing the work. And... Hello, Dr. Raider. <laughs> yes, there's a little gift bag waiting for her. She really needs to up her security. <laughs> As if he couldn't get through. Yes, but still. And the book is there. All the names are crossed out. And he leaves her a little card saying that he's finished the book. And thanks for all your help, Doc. Yeah. Oh, this was just... Lovely. There's so much wrapped up in this little moment. This is Bucky coming full circle in a number of ways. He is such a role model here, acknowledging the positive effect that therapy has had on his life and also expressing gratitude to the woman who gave him the tools he needed to start putting his life back together. Yeah. And he didn't just forget about it. Right. And all the support that she gave him while he was really in a bad place and struggling. Yeah. And, you know, this had me thinking about Steve in The Avengers, who was just punching his way out of things with heavy bag after heavy bag. And I think he would be so proud of Bucky working through all of his issues in a much healthier way. Mm -hmm. And giving her the book. Oh, that got me. He's accepting that Steve is gone. He's allowing himself to move on and, and find a new family and stop using Steve as a crutch. Yeah, or an anchor point because that anchor is gone. Yeah. And then good on him to check on Mr. Nakajima through the window. Yeah. I just wish he got his lazy boy. <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Nakajima looked good, like a weight had been lifted. Yeah. And him and that girl who Mr. Nakajima was trying to set up 
with Bucky was sitting down and having some sake. Yeah, they just have a little moment. They have a little eye contact and Bucky knows it's going to be okay. Yeah. And now for Sam. I don't know if Carl Lumley had enough screen time to be considered for an Emmy, like in the official rules, but I sure as hell hope he did. Yeah, he did a wonderful job. He's played Isaiah Bradley so well and with so much nuance. Of all the characters in this show, I mean, yes, Sam and Bucky, we've been around within the MCU for a while and that's part of it, but I swear to God, I have started to feel like Isaiah Bradley is a real person. Yeah, because he's written very, very well. Yeah. So Sam goes to visit him and Elijah at the house in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Elijah, who needs to learn some manners. (laughs) And you can see overall, the mood is relatively upbeat. Bradley is happy to see Sam. Yeah. Sam was able to change his mind a little bit. Yeah. And what an honor for Sam to hear from Bradley, you're special. Let's be clear. Yeah. Not, not Martin, not Malcolm special. Just to keep him honest. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't let him get too big for his boots. Yeah. And yeah. those boots are pretty expensive, I'm guessing. You know, Wakanda <laughs> technology and all that. <laughs> and Sam says to him, I know what I've got to do. Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. And he knows that it's an uphill battle. Yeah. For the first time in a while, he's headed in the right direction. Yes. And this one line really hit me too. We built this country, bled for it, and I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't fight for it. Yeah. This sounded so much like Steve in Captain America, the first Avenger, when he was explaining why he wanted to enlist. He said, I got no right to do any less than them. Sam now views being Captain America as his duty as a black man for all of those who fought before him. Right. And that's a heavy responsibility. It is. And it's also a very humbling moment for Bradley, too, because he didn't realize that Sam is doing this for him, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam isn't just out there for the glory. He's doing it for a cause. Yeah. And then Sam needs to take them to the museum. Yeah. And while they're walking through the museum, did you notice that Bradley looked very unsure yes. of himself? I don't think he'd ever been there. I don't think he's been out much. No. Because obviously his history and the fact that he as a person has been erased from all records, chances are he's been pretty homebound. Yeah. I started crying as soon as they got there. I knew what was coming. When I saw the statue and the plaque, I I, I teared up a bit. And that's saying a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was a ball of snot. And if I hadn't lost it already, I would have when Sam says, now they'll never forget what you did for this country. Yeah. And Bradley has no words. Yeah. Because that's all he wanted. He just wanted to be recognized. Yeah. He's so moved. He's shaking as Sam has his arms around him. Yeah. And after that emotional moment, we need a bit of a break. It's party time. Yeah. We need some good food. And great music. Yes. 
I love everything about these Louisiana scenes. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's so bright and cheery. It's fantastic. And it's full of family and love. You just feel it. Yeah, true. And Bucky is there bringing cake and the kids are playing with him. It was just, it was lovely. Yes, he's Uncle Jungle Jim at this point. (laughs) I got to say something, though. Mm -hmm. If somebody offered me either an evening with Bucky to do as I wish or an evening with the cake he brought without consequence. To do as you wish? Don't be gross to eat the fucking cake (laughs) without any ill effects that I would normally have eating cake. I would seriously have to think about it. That cake was enormous and there were Oreos on that shit. Is it? Yes. I didn't didn't pay too much attention to that. Oh, I did. I did. I was more concerned because the cake looked very creamy and while he was playing with the kids, I was afraid that it's going to fall. Yeah, that's why I had to think about it because the thought of that cake falling was foremost on my mind. And that's a that's a two for one. That's cake and Oreos. Oh, now there's an idea. I've had a Joey Tribbiani epiphany. Yes, put your hands together. <laughs> now we're talking. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I will take half the cake and half the evening and combine them. There we go. Why not just have the evening with both? Well, if I had to choose, if I was being forced to choose, that's how I would, how I would do it. Mm-hmm. But in fantasy land, one doesn't have to choose. So enjoy. <laughs> because clearly you've been spending a lot of time in fantasy land. Lately. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. It's a bit alarming. Anyway. I must say, Bucky just kind of standing there with his arm out and the kids hanging onto him <laughs> yeah. with Sarah looking on. Uh-huh. Smooth man, smooth. Yep. He's got that line. I up. gotta respect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows how to work his assets. <laughs> and he looks so happy and so natural. It's lovely to see. Yeah, he does. And everybody is there to celebrate Sam. They're so proud of him. Mm-hmm. And you know how you know this show really is amazing, is that it actually makes me miss Biloxi the five months I spent there the only thing I enjoyed about Biloxi was the fact that I was able to walk to the beach every morning and just sit and watch the waves for a little while it really had me longing for that oh man my home when I came here when I was six years old was right next to the ocean yeah I miss it I miss it a lot yeah late in the night I was awake and everything was quiet I could hear the ocean in my room yeah I could hear the waves it was amazing yeah I mean before we moved here I lived on the coast the entire my entire life yeah so we leave the Wilson family and no qualifiers because Bucky is now part of the Wilson family yeah and we get a credit shot here Captain America and the Winter Soldier yes Now, I was at first a little upset that it wasn't Captain America and the White Wolf or Captain America and Bucky Barnes, but I've been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. We are going to get another season of this. I think the next season or the new season, whichever you want to call it, rebranded under the new title, 
will be more of Bucky's journey towards that new mantle. Yeah, I think so. Before Bucky can take on a new mantle, he had to become a whole person again. Correct. Yes. I think the end of that season, we'll see another credit clip like this where it's Captain America and either White Wolf, Bucky Barnes, whatever it is. Yeah, true. I agree. And we have one final mid-credit scene. <laughs> so this senator is back. I must say he's a very busy man. Yeah. So he pardons Sharon and gives her her old job back. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't be happier. Yes. And very, very honored. Oh, yes. This is the ultimate double agent. Absolutely. And that concludes this phenomenal six weeks of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Agreed. This certainly didn't go the way we were expecting it to. No. And I think that was absolutely intentional in the marketing of the show. Yeah. Agreed. If the show had been marketed not as a buddy cop show, but as what it actually was, they wouldn't have been mm -hmm. able to draw people in. They had to trick the audience rightfully. Because people are stupid. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. They couldn't trust people to immediately take the show as seriously as it needs to be taken and understand mm -hmm. what it is. And there are right. still people, even after the finale, who just don't get what this show is about or trying to say. And if you don't at this point, you're hopeless. Just give up. And if they don't get it, that's their problem. But we enjoyed it, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it, along with our commentary. But specifically, we have a few people we want to thank this week. We already mentioned our buddy Charles. And at May the Way Be Wit One, you were right about Miss Don't Call Me Thou recruiting John Walker. But I don't think he's capable of keeping it on the down low. Katie Webster and Sophie, the shield is in the right hands, and Bucky has been redeemed. Let us know how you feel about his resolution now that instead of breaking our hearts, he's putting his own back together. Thorin. Walker definitely got put in his place. What do you think of U.S. agent? Abigail Whittaker. We're with you on hoping that lots of teachers have been watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and use it as a tool to teach kids important lessons and spark healthy debates. All right, so... After this little mini marathon here, well, really full marathon because we only got a week off between this show and WandaVision, we've got a few announcements for you. Yes, some housekeeping. So we are taking a little staycation, a full staycation, meaning we will not be on our social media at all for a week. So from this Friday, April 30th, on to next Friday, May 7th, you will not see us. On social media, we won't even know each other, will we, Abe? No, we won't. And I cannot wait for it. You don't have to sound that excited about that part. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so beyond that, we are taking a season break. Yes, we are doing that simply because I need time to prepare myself for all the insanity that comes in during Loki. Ha, ha, ha. But yes, we will be gearing up for Loki and we will have a very special Falcon and the Winter Soldier bonus episode coming out on Memorial Day. We have a great panel of guests 
lined up for you guys for that one. We're very excited about it. Yes. And our season three will officially kick off on the 2nd of June. And as we are preparing for Loki, we will be releasing our commentary on Thor, The Dark World and Thor Ragnarok. That I'm excited for. Yes, and you should too, everybody, because we're watching Thor The Dark World again, so you don't have to. You're welcome. (laughs) Even I cannot defend that movie. True. And remember, Loki drops on Disney Plus June 11th. We will be covering it weekly, just like WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, starting June 16th. Yes. All right. Thank you to all you madams for joining us today and these past six weeks for the roller coaster that has been the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. You can always reach us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Marvel Madams. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a quick iTunes review. You'll really be helping us out. And you can visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. Uh, Between you and me, we can bring this up if you want. What boat is she talking about? What boat is she talking about stopping? When does she say boat? That's what I was confused about. She says we got, like, it's about stopping that boat. Vote, not boat. V-O-T-E. Oh, well, that helps. Thank you. Like, what the fuck boat is she talking about? I saw it three times. She. Oh, God. There was water involved. They were at a pier. There was water. It's New York. It's a fucking island. There's water around.